Welcome everyone, it's Sports Decaf in the Morning. It's your co-host, Tariq Abdullah. It's the man, Tariq Fatul. So right here today with us, we got a real special guest. I mean, you know, he's done NBA scouting. He's, quote-unquote, one of the best trainers in the nation. Right here with us, we got John Parker. Go ahead and just talk to everyone about what you do, who you are. I mean, stage is yours. You got it. Got it, man. Well, hey, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, no doubt. You know, anytime you get to uh, sit down and talk a little bit about sports, it's always a good thing. So yeah. um, a little bit of my background, um, you know, I, I'm originally from Arkansas. Uh, played uh, high school basketball there in Arkansas. And uh, my senior year, um, I was blessed to be able to go to a private school in just outside Washington, D.C. in the town called Laurel, Maryland. And I uh, went to a school called Laurel Baptist Academy. And, you know, played for one of the you know, top-ranked teams in the country. And so, you know, coming from Arkansas where, you know, it's there's good athletes, great basketball, but going to D.C., which is one of the meccas, you know, and and to be able to go out there and, and, uh, and play and really, you know, hold my own. You know, and that really kind of showed me that, um, you know, this is something that I can do. You mm-hmm. know, coming from Arkansas, this is pre-internet. You know, you guys are young guys. There was a time before that. <laughs> um, you know, so it was a lot of players would, would fall through the cracks, mm-hmm. you know, and so I was really lucky that, you know, I was able to go out there and play and, um, you know, I signed, uh, I was actually the first white uh, scholarship basketball player to ever sign with, uh, with the uh, Southwestern Athletic Conference, the SWAC school, uh, signed with a school called Mississippi Valley State uh, <laughs> University, which is kind of famous for, uh, they had a football player named Jerry Rice that was there and think we all know <laughs> yeah I don't know if you guys Which heard is him. actually uh, kind of a crazy story my going into my senior year that summer I had I had played um, at a camp in Jackson Mississippi and that's actually where coach Stribling saw me and so you know he offered me there at that camp and then just started recruiting me you know from that point on and so he called me one time he said man one of these days I'm gonna have a special guy call you I said okay okay coach whatever <laughs> and uh so I was laying on the couch. I'll never forget this. And uh, the phone rang. And this is pre-caller ID. You know, this is a hey, phone ring. You answer it. And I said, hello. And uh, he said, may I speak with John Parker? I said, yeah, this is him. And he said, this is Jerry Rice. And I just kind of oh, laughed. And I was hung up. Right? <laughs> and so do. he rang, yeah, called right back. And I answered. And he said, don't hang up. Don't hang up. This is serious. And he Coach Stribling wanted me to call you. And I was like, oh, okay. So that was kind of a, you know, really cool moment, you know, to be in high school. And, you know, at that time, Jerry Rice was, you know, playing for the 49ers and, you know, winning Super Bowls and stuff. So that was that was kind of one of my first forays into, wow, recruiting is crazy. You know, they're yeah. going to do whatever it takes yeah. to, to get you. So, um, you know, uh, signed and played there um, and then, you know, got into coaching um, really right after college. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you know, I was blessed. I coached one year at a high school right outside Jackson, Mississippi, um, a school called Terry High School. Um, and then I was really, really lucky at the age of 23, um, you know, I had an opportunity to coach at Arkansas Tech University, which is a Division II school there in, in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, we had a great run there and and uh, really kind of turned that program around. Uh, and so I inherited a team that actually was 3-27. and 27. And uh, basically just uh, uh, ran every one of those players off. <laughs> you know, basically, they th- I think they thought they were on a track scholarship. 
because we just ran, ran. We had, yeah, we had to bring in our guys. Yeah. You know, and so in, you know, in, in two years, we went from, you know, three and 27 that, that the coach had previous uh, had left us to we won 27 games. Wow. Yeah, you know, and so. It's impressive. Yeah, you know, and so, um, and then, you know, I had an opportunity to go to North Carolina and coach with really who is my mentor, um, a guy named Chris Cheney. And uh, Chris, Chris is just an absolute legend. I mean, he's coached over, I think it's 19 NBA draft picks, uh, maybe 160 Division One players. I mean, this guy will—he'll set the all-time uh, high school wins. Uh, he'll obliterate that record. Um, I think he's got over like seven or 800 wins now, and he's in his mid 40s. Wow! So this guy—I mean, just an absolute basketball genius. And for me to be able to play for him in high school. And then have that opportunity to coach with him. Um, you know, I'm one of the only players, his only player that's ever played for him and coached with him as well. Um, Chris has always been uh, a very special person in my life. Um, and so, you know, we, we coached at a school there in, in North Carolina, which was a prep school. And this is back in 2004, um, a school called Lorenberg Prep. And a little background of, of Lorenberg. It's the oldest African-American boarding school in the country. And so this family actually walked from Alabama to North Carolina. It was an African-American family to start a school to educate African-Americans. It was an amazing story. Wow. And so Dizzy Gillespie, the famous jazz musician, went there. Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous basketball players. Charlie Scott, the first African-American to play in the ACC in North Carolina. Uh, Sam Jones played for the Celtics, won all those titles with Bill Russell. So for years and years, they just had a storied program. And then it kind of fell on hard times. And Chris actually took that job over. And our 2004-2005 team is considered the greatest pre-college team of all time. And uh, that's according to Sports Illustrated. And, you know, a lot Explain of- to everyone who was on the team as well. Yeah, you know, that team, you know, we had 19 Division One signees on that team, which just is mind-blowing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we had seven guys over 6'11". You know, our starting lineup. Was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, our starting lineup, we went 6'5", 6'9", 6'9", 6'11", 7'0". Wow. You know, and, um, you know, we sent four players off that team to University of Memphis with John Calipari. Uh, Sean Williams, Antonio Anderson – Rob Dozier and Kareem Cooper. And Rob Dozier and Antonio Anderson stayed all four years at Memphis. They won more games in four years than anybody in Division One history. They won 138 games in four years. And our year, we were 40-0, and 0, um, and I don't think anybody came within 30 of us. I mean, we just – Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I've never seen a, col- a collection of talent that played so hard and bought into what we were doing. And, you know, people used to always ask us, how do you keep those guys happy? You know, 19 guys. I mean, yeah. It's like, you can only play five. And, uh, you know, my response and Chris's response was always, you know, that's not our job. It's their job is to keep us happy. You know, so we, you know, we set them down from, from the jump, first day at school, first day at practice, and said stats don't matter. The only thing that matters is that scoreboard. And you guys are all going Division One. You're all big time players, but we got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, guys bought in and, you know, our practices were just wars. You know, I mean, we just we just fostered an environment that, you know, everything was competitive. It's, so you could be on the starting – I mean, on that team, our 19th had the last guy that – just to show you the depth, the last guy that signed, we had a kid named Quantez Robinson. He was from Cincinnati, Ohio. And this will show you how inept a lot of college coaches are at evaluating talent. So, you know, Quantez was 6'4", 38-inch vertical, point guard. I mean, stud. But he kind of was, you know, in the shadows of some of the other guys that we had mm -hmm. on the team. We yeah. had five NBA draft picks on the team. You know, so uh, there was a Division II school that was near our school there in, in North Carolina. And uh, I told the coach, I said, Coach, you can steal this kid. And so he watched him. And after the game, I said, you know, what? Quantez played well. And I said, what did you think? And he said, well, I like him. I don't love him. And I said, okay. You know, I was kind of laughing. Okay. Yeah. You know, I can't make him sign him. And uh, so later that summer, Tony Douglas, who was at Auburn, who later played for the Knicks and mm -hmm. Rockets and whatever, transferred from Auburn to Florida State. So a scholarship was freed up in the middle of the summer. Jeff Lebo called us, who was the coach at Auburn. I need a guard, I need a guard. I need, hey, Quantez. So Quantez started as a freshman at Auburn. Broke every assist record at Auburn. Wow. Yeah, and that Division II school. <laughs> coach. Wait, so how, how did he end up getting re recruited by Auburn and you know, a high a high D one school, but a D two school didn't want him. Well, I mean, that just goes to show you. I mean, just coaches, right? they just guys yeah, get overlooked. Guys, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, you know, growing up in Arkansas, and, you know, you know, when we're coaching out in North Carolina, we got, I mean, all these players. Every coach in the country comes through our gym, and so I remember, you know, meeting Rick Pitino and you know those guys for the first time, and you know, I mean, I'm in awe. I mean, these guys are just legends. Yeah, yeah. But you quickly find out that, you know, some of these guys that you put on a pedestal, you, you interact with them, you deal with them in recruiting, and and they're really not as impressive as you think they would be. And so, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, not everybody's great at evaluating talent. And that's a, that's a skill um, that I think a lot of, in this age that, Recruiting's kind of took off on a on an internet basis, and there's a lot of people now that have opinions, yeah. and there's a bunch of factors to it, right? Yeah, but there's a lot of noise, but there's very few people that can truly evaluate talent. So you can stargaze and go off what other people are evaluating, because there's a lot of guys that I see currently that are quote five stars or four stars that I'm like, man, they can't play dead in a cowboy movie. Yeah. A, a good example is Jimmy Butler. I mean, he was almost unrecruited, yeah, you know, my, Juco. Yeah, my boy actually way. coached him at Tyler Jr. College. So uh, just, you know, his background, I think, you know, almost being homeless, being adopted. Yeah. You know, he kind of fell through the cracks and, and whatnot. But he's a, he's a kid that just got better. You know, just every day he got better. Mm -hmm. But So that goes to show you, I mean, he's talented, but – you know, not, but not as not as talented compared to other guys in the yeah. league as question. well. Yeah. You know, so you know that's a skill set as well. You know, how 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 much better can you get? You know, or do you tap out, um, or do you believe the hype as you're 16, 17 years old and 
and then you don't really get any better. Yeah. Well, guess what? There's a Jimmy Butler out there that constantly that working better. hard. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, what programs do you think in college basketball are that are regarded as one of the best programs in evaluating talent? I always say this. People ask me that a lot. San Diego State. Really? Is now they have some disadvantages. Obviously, you know their conference, and but from a pure coaching staff, a guy named Brian Dutcher, who's now the head coach, um, great, great guy. Um, he was the assistant coach under Steve Fisher for all those years at San Diego State, but previously was at Michigan. Dutch is the guy that recruited the Fat Five. So if you ever watched that Fat yeah, Five, Jimmy, Brian Thanks. Dutcher, yeah, yeah, Brian Dutcher. But those guys do an unbelievable job of evaluating talent. Case in point, a guy named Kawhi Leonard. I mean, yeah, he did go to San Diego State. No question. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you, those guys do an incredible job of finding those diamond in the rough kind of guys. Case in point, a, a, a kid that I coached named Wesley Johnson, currently plays for the Clippers, um, kind of had has not really lived up to expectations. He was the fourth yeah. pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, he's played, you know, he's had a good NBA career, not great. Yeah. You know, Wesley was always, you know, rebattled when we had Wesley um, just about how tough he was. You know, here was a kid when, when we later went to a school called the Patterson School, and that's where we had um, Wesley, that's where we coached him at. Uh, Wesley wasn't in our top 15. So when you've got that kind of kid, and he can't crack your, your top two, you know, top 10, top, you know. Yeah. That tells you how deep we were, but he he was a guy that you saw just, I mean, athletic, looked the part, jumped out of the gym. We used to always kind of open up practice with a three-man where you just kind of get warmed up. Mm-hmm. He would take off two or three feet outside the block, windmill dunks. Sheesh. And coaches would come up to me and be like, who is that? Who is that? And and I'd be like, well, just, just wait about ten minutes when we start scrimmaging. <laughs> you know, he's a three. I used to call him a three-man weave all-American. You know, but San Diego State placed him with us. He's actually from a town not too far from here, called Corsicana, Texas. Nobody knew who Wesley Johnson was, and so San Diego State placed him with us. Dutch called us and said, "Hey, I got the sleeper." Okay, you know he came and visited our school. I actually worked him out. Uh, his brother t- uh, came up there with him and. Um, I mean, you could see that he was, you know, had a chance to be a great player, but he was raw. And so, you know, we took him, you know, and whenever a, a college places a kid with you, protocol is you protect him, you don't let anybody else recruit him, and then you place them back. Mm-hmm. That's how, you know, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so Wesley kind of blew up with us because all these coaches are coming in and seeing these other guys. Like, Who is this guy? So, we, you know, we said, really, we can't make you sign with San Diego State, but you at least got to take your first visit there. Dutch placed, you know, and, you know, he ended up decommitting and ended up going to Iowa State and, you know, actually uh, played for, you know, Hoiberg and, you know, and then uh, transferred to, to Syracuse and later became the fourth pick in the draft. But those guys at San Diego State, I'll, I'll tell you another school, Baylor. Baylor does a great job with Pope's players, evaluating guys um, and developing guys. Mm-hmm. If you look at the last 10 years, some of the players that they've had, um, some of their big guys, 
weren't, you know, they had the Perry Johns and, you know, the highly ranked guys, but they've had some guys that were under the radar. So Baylor would be another school. A good ex- – I mean, Tarian Prince, I mean, he's, he's balling right now with the Hawks, so I'm, it's a real yeah, good example. You know, he was originally committed to LIU – excuse me, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. that goes to show you there's a guy <clears throat> that's going to make a lot of money in the NBA that was once committed to LIU Brooklyn. So how many Division One schools missed on him? That's true. So case in point. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. so I got, I got another question for you. So I know – we know that you've done a lot of coaching, especially, you know, in uh, – in Mississippi and, you know, North Carolina and everything. So how'd you end up in DFW? You know, um, I was living in Memphis, Tennessee and had a basketball training business there. And, you know, the old, uh, the old story goes, you know, you meet a young lady and, ah. <laughs> you know, started, started dating and, you know, things got, you know, really serious. And, you know, I actually just recently got engaged. Congrats. Uh, yeah. Appreciate it. A couple weeks ago. So, uh, yeah. 41 years old and uh, going to get married for the first time. So, yeah, it's exciting. Um, but her her mother actually moved to the DFW area about three or four years ago. She took a job with uh, Child Protective Services. So her, you know, her kind of schedule's kind of all over the place and stuff. So um, my fiance's grandmother, you know, came down to live here about a year ago with her daughter, who's my fiance's mother, um, and she has – currently has Alzheimer's mm-hmm. um, you know she's 79 years old and um, you know we were going to move down here in June um, my fiance actually teaches at a uh, University of Memphis ballet and dance so her contract's not over until the end of second semester so she'll be moving down then but you know I just you know decided to move down early kind of set some things up a little bit and then also to kind of help take care of her grandmother so you know when you uh, when you get engaged and get married, you know her family is my family. Yes, yeah, that's true. Got to take care of family. Yeah, you know, FOE. Family's number family, one. Family, family yeah. first. No question. No question. Yeah. So, so you haven't been here, you know, that long. So, what do you think so far of Texas talent compared to where you came from? You know, I just because I hadn't lived here doesn't mean I hadn't been recruiting here. Yeah. You know, true. so no Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth area is. I mean. You know, Texas for years and years was always a football state. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think, I think the, the the era that really changed that was the T.J. Ford, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge, those guys coming out of here, um, Daniel Gibson out of Houston. That early two thousands yeah. is when you really Chris Bosh, you know, those guys started coming out of this area, and Texas, you know, like I said, was always known as a football state. Really started becoming. You know basketball, you know, and I think kids started seeing guys get drafted and out of this area, and it's like, okay, you know, you, you don't have to play football, yeah, you know, in this area to, to go play professional sports. Like so these I guys think, are real, you know. But the talent in Texas, I mean, it's just the numbers. You know, it's just you got Houston, you got Dallas, you know, just the state of Texas. Just from a number standpoint, you know, you're just gonna, always going to have players. Oh yeah. So how did the how does DFW rank amongst other other cities in recruitment? I mean, I mean, I think it's, I think it's right there. I mean, you know, years and years it was always, you know, New York City, um, yeah. you know, New York City guards, uh, Chicago, um, but you know, it's you know, the, speaking of the internet and you know, social media and you know, it's it's really shrunk the world 
So you can be a kid in Reno, Nevada, mm-hmm. or you know, Birmingham, Alabama, or, or in Charlotte or anything. Charlotte, yeah. North, you know, and it doesn't really matter. You know, I think that kids in this area, um, you know, there's some facilities. You know, I uh, uh, had the privilege a couple, you know, a couple days ago actually to work out some kids uh, um, at the uh, Drive Nation facility. You know, those kind of facilities are are giving kids a platform and an opportunity to, you know, really take their games to a level. So, you know, having those kind of facilities in this area, those you know, these kids have a little bit of an advantage, you know, and things like that. But you know, the AAU basketball programs in this area are so you know, so well run, and uh, there's just a lot of opportunities for kids to to showcase their talent. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like before, you can come from a small town. You have a lot of work to do, and you might not. You can be, you know, possibly a top hundred player in the country, but I mean, you get overshadowed just from case in point of me. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, you know, I caught some breaks, but there was, trust me, there were a lot of players, you know, before me, and that you know could have been superstars, you know, and it just they just didn't have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So um, now, you know, the, you'll find those diamonds in the rough now, but there's so many people now involved in it. Because there's money involved. Yeah. You know, so, you yeah. know, whenever there's money involved, they, they, they come out of the woodworks. So, you know, you've got so many people now that are quote-unquote scouts and, you know, they, so, you know, it's hard for kids now, you know, not to get – the opportunities are there. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. No doubt Especially about with it. social media these oh, days. Yeah. How, yeah. How, how big of an impact does social media, you know, pertain to kids getting recruited? I mean, you see – you know, YouTube channels such as Ball's Life. You see, you know, Twitter handles. And you see, you see a bunch of scouting uh, tools that help kids get recruited. But how, how, how much do they help kids get recruited? Because I know it could be it a helps. negative and positive. It, it helps. No, it helps. It helps. But you know, the old saying in coaching is, you know, I've never seen a missed shot on a highlight. Yeah. Well, you know, so <laughs> Carmelo in the gyms. Right. Right. <laughs> you don't know, <laughs> Maybe one day. But um, it it does. But you know, ultimately though, coaches, you've got to. You know, I think that opens the door. You got to watch him play. But you got to watch him play, yeah. and and but the you know the tournaments are there. The you know, but it's going to be interesting to see how the new rules with the NCAA are going to affect that. Um, you know, I know kind of why they did that. Um, you know, there had to be some changes. It had kind of gotten a little bit out of control and yeah and, and whatnot. But I don't know if the changes that they made were the correct changes. Just because it was changes doesn't mean it was the right correct. ones. Correct move. And so it's going to be interesting. I think they, you know, I think they're, you know, putting the the, the power more back into high school, which, you know, recruiting always goes in cycles. Um, and so I think that's it's steering away a little bit more from the AAU back to the high school coach and, 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 and whatnot. But, I think AAU basketball will always be powerful and um, and will always continue to kind of give kids a platform. But um, how it's regulated, it's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out. Definitely, and I think AAU shadows out overshadows a lot of these you know good high school phenoms that don't play AAU. And well, I think yeah, you know, but there's not was... too many phenoms that don't. Yeah, you definitely. Know, so. Um, but AU basketball has 
it's it's giving kids a great opportunity, but it's also to me it's affected um, the mindset of the young players. Um, you know, I am forty one, definitely a little bit more old school, um, but you know when you play three games in a day or you know six games, seven games over a two three day, if you lose one, that's okay. You know, we got one in three hours. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much fundamentals and how much it was being taught um, at that at that level. And I think they want to get back more towards the the high school coach, you know, and 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 kind of steering away a little bit from the AAU, um, and 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 kind of getting back to more fundamentals and more like the euros you know have been doing in the last mm-hmm. 10 15 years oh, yeah. they're they're not playing AU basketball over there you know they're 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 you know they're training two three times a day um, you know they're they're playing professional basketball at the age of 15 mm-hmm. you know so um, and I, not only are they catching up they might have caught up and passed yeah so you know I think that kind of woke everybody up a little bit you know but um, but it's going to be exciting. Um, but the young player, um, you know, it, and a lot of it's the generation, um, millennials. But um, when faced with something that, that is difficult or if there's any kind of adversity, you know, a lot of these kids want to fold. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, not everything's going to go your way. And there's going to be some adversity in games. Uh, Basketball is a game of runs. You know, and whoever can put together the most 8 0, you know, 6 0, those type of runs is gonna, usually going to win the game. Mm-hmm. So um, you got to weather some storms and, and you got to get pushed and you got to be coached. And so that's one thing I do in my training is, um, you know, redo everything um, game reps, game speed, because I've always believed in the compound effect. Um, we want to build habits and we want to build muscle memory. And so, um, you know, I see a lot of trainers post a lot of things, speaking to social media, and you know, kids getting in quote unquote workouts, um, and I just, I, just like, I mean, no, no, it's, it's it's insane, you know, and and these guys are almost outthinking themselves, um, you know. Speaking of you know being a young coach, I'll never forget this. Um, an older coach took me aside one time. He put his arm around me and he said, "Son," he said, "There's only so many things you can do with five people," and uh, you know, you just Keep it simple. You know, I see guys, you know, flipping cones and carrying cones with them. And yeah. I haven't seen that in a basketball game yet. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, just getting in game speed, you know, full intensity, uh, where when it becomes a game, you don't have to think about it. It's just, it becomes it's, natural. It's yeah. just natural. So, um, but also I see a lot of these young kids, they want to be coached, you know. So, you know, sometimes faced with adversity, they'll, they'll lay down. But also, these kids now, when they trust you and they know you know what you're doing, you know, these kids are also hungry to be coached. So it's exciting as well, you know. So, so how do you think, back to the AAU standpoint, how do you think that the AAU circuit can be improved? Because as a kid that used to play AAU, it seemed like if you weren't on the top tier sponsor team that you didn't really have the necessary looks. I mean, there are some programs such as like Texas Impact, for example, that are not really sponsored, but they always get Division One talent. 
no matter what, because you know they they end up getting the looks in the pool play. But I mean, how do you think that the AU circuits can improve? I, you know, I, again, I don't think it's the AAU. I think it that ultimately goes back to the coaches. Um, you know, it's easy. You know, these guys are at the top Power Five programs. Assistant coaches are making three, four hundred thousand a year. And that's that's no chump change. That's some serious money. Yeah. And so, you know. Is it easy to go to the events, like you said, that are, yeah, you know, because you can get the most bang for your buck. So I, I get that, but if you're going to be great and, 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 and you've got to do things that other guys aren't doing, so you've got to do the extra work and go to those programs that maybe aren't at the Nike EYBL or in the Adidas Gauntlet, because those are the shoe company. Yeah. But go to the programs that maybe – has that diamond in the rough kid that isn't doesn't have the opportunity or the platform that somebody so you know when I was coaching I, I never left one stone unturned you know if I got a call on a kid I, I, I'm gonna go kick the tires you know because you never know but a lot of these coaches man they're, they're they're lazy yeah and so it's just easier to go to that mm-hmm. you know so I to answer that, I think it's almost maybe more on the coaches. And so in, instead of, you know, what else can you else do? Yeah, I mean, that's you know, true. We're putting on the event. We got the players here. Yeah. As a coach, you got to go to the event. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so in in terms of in terms of the NCAA, we got – I mean, we all know that Duke Uh-oh. is the powerhouse of, of college basketball. <laughs> So on that, I may Duke not be team, able to talk too much on this segment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so on that Duke team, we know they got three studs. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do who do you think is going to end up having the best NBA career out of those three Duke players? Wow, uh, you know, we're what ten games in? Ten uh, just about, games. just right. about. Zion's really hard to evaluate. Because there's just never been anything yeah, like I've it. Yeah, we've never seen someone like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, know, just so you just, you know, you then you start thinking. Well, you start overthinking. Well, sometimes what you're do like, you think? Well, does he? And then you just sometimes you just have to look at the tape and just like, my God, what is he doing? You know, it's just like it's just, you know, people that who he's not LeBron. You know, he not doesn't either. have the 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 you know the. The, the IQ, the playmaking. Yeah, he's not that. Um, you know, I think he's about six, six and a half, six seven. You know, so, uh, but two seventy, two seventy five. Yeah, he's a monster. The, the person that I've always said, people ask me, who do you think he is? Um, he's got a lot of Rodney Rogers in him. I don't know if you you guys are young. Yeah, young man, I'm not too familiar. Go go, go YouTube Rodney Rogers. Rodney Rogers. Similar body, you know. You know, Rodney was 6'7", 260, you know, chiseled, looked like a Greek god, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. Was was a lefty as well, you know, and so could shoot it a little bit. You know, played probably 12, 13 years in the NBA. Um, but he he's obviously intriguing. Um, the kid that I like, and I keep telling pe- people this, I like Cam Reddish. That's actually the guy that I think um, – R.J. Barrett is is an unbelievable, mm-hmm. um, and, and and if I had the number one pick in the draft, I would probably take him. I could but, see that but, he's all around. 
but but there's some things with him that you know you know you wonder sometimes is he um, you know it takes a lot of shots with him mm-hmm. you know and really you know has to have the ball in his hands sort of thing but I mean he's a tremendous talent you know he's got that dog in him mm-hmm. you know so you can but Cam Reddish is intriguing to me very very intriguing how's that explain you know I think his game translates to the NBA um, you know he can he reminds me a little bit of Harrison Barnes you know he's got a lot of Harrison Barnes in him um, you know Harrison Barnes is going to make a lot of money so I mean if, he already has you know, watch, <laughs> yeah watch, he's got that bag you know, if, yeah. we, if we can have his career that's that's fine um, he he shoots it well I love his IQ. I think he moves without the basketball. Um, doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to to score. You know, so um, I think he's got NBA size. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so that there's a lot of things with him that I really, really like him. I, you know, Zion and, and RJ get a lot of the, but the reddish kid really intrigues me. I, I can see that the NBA is developing to a three and deep, and I mean he's one that's, of the best three point no shooters. Question. No question. And he got game. But also Zion would also fit in the NBA aspect of positionless basketball. I mean, the guy is, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's going to be able to play possibly the 2, 3, 4. I no, mean, he's not a 2. He'll never play the 2. You don't think he'll I, ever I play I don't the know two? about the 2. I think There's no, I, no. he's got to develop his shot. Well, I mean, in, in NBA's – My man, there's, let me tell you something. There's, there's, there's a half court, so everybody talks about he's a 2. He can shoot. Who's he, He's going to guard a 2. There's no 2 in the NBA to wear him out. Can't guard him on the perimeter like that. Not a two, you know. And but don't ever get caught up in twos, threes. I'm a four. You know, I've told people for years and years. I've always believed more in positionless basketball. Look, basketball is a game of matchups, and it's and if I, if I've got a six four, six five point guard, and he's got a five eleven, we're, we're going down to the block. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a mouse in the house. Yeah. So I need players that can what make plays all over the court. So if, if I've got a big that can step out on the court and, and, and he's got a guy guarding him that can't, we're going we're gonna to take advantage of that. So, you know, I'm a two, I'm a three. No, I need playmakers. So, um, you know, don't get so caught up in that. That's kind of a ESPN type of thing that happened <laughs> yeah. 15 years ago. These guys on here, I'm a two. You know, that's, that's fine. That was originally because when you identified secondary breaks, you identified guys, I'm mm-hmm. you know, the one, three. But you got to be able to make plays all over the court. But he can't guard a two um, or a off guard or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving. You know, on him, that's he's going to dance on him all day. Yeah. So, um, but he's he's an intriguing talent. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, you know, if you're in that you're you're two, three, four in the draft. Wow, you know, <laughs> how do you pass on him? But then if you take him, and, you know, what what scares me a little bit with him is, is he going to be able to finish in traffic at the NBA level with 7-1, 7 uh, Yeah, that's – You know, that's that's where um, – That's where his, you know, his weakness might be. Can he adapt be, to the be. NBA? But that's also his strengthness in college as well, though. I mean, Yeah, but these guys are not as big as yeah, what he's going to no come across. There's no real at the Division I level that are like – Well, then you can kind of say the same thing for R.J. Barrett as well, then. But his game is complete. Yeah, but I he's mean, – you know, he can put the ball in his hands and – where RJ, he he reminds me a lot of, he's got a little bit of James Harden to him too, 
where you can put him in pick and roll at 6'8", 225. You know, mm-hmm. so he, you know, his game isn't just um, finishing at the rim. You know, he can, you know, he can do some things on the perimeter and, 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 and whatnot. But Zion, you know, a lot of what his, you know, highlight stuff is really more at the rim. So with rim protectors, Hassan Whitesides, those kind of guys there, um, you know, I think he's going to be a great player. You know, the, the transcendent Hall of Fame, I don't know yet. We're only 11 games into his college career. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, though. But, boy, I'll tell you, it, it, I wouldn't really, to be honest with you, I wouldn't want to be in the, that GM's shoes. Yeah, you don't want to miss out. Make that choice. That's going to be a tough one. Because that can go either way. I can see that going either way. So so how how do you feel about the kid from Oregon as well, Bobo? I mean, he's 7'2". I mean, he he can shoot it as well. He he is really intriguing because he's so skilled. You know, and – but again, it goes back to when, when you're when you're evaluating how a guy's going to translate from college to the NBA level, man, the first thing is size. Man, that's the – you know, when you see these guys, if you ever watch an NBA game from the floor level, their size is just – it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got two guards, you know, that are DeMar DeRozan, 6'7". Yeah. You know, those guys at that size, so, you know – being seven one seven two, you know that's NBA size. You know with the what seven, you know yeah. seven nine wingspan. You know it's mm-hmm. just it's insane. So, um, you know I think he's got a chance. Um, you know at the next level, just because he can do some things. He can pick and pop. Um, you know he can rim protect. Um, he's got you know, the handles. You can see some lateral quickness. He's got some feet. I think he needs to develop that a little bit more to be able to guard yeah. pick and roll situations. Um, but he's, I mean, he's intriguing, no question. There's a lot of potential there. Yeah, you know, but a lot of times though, the the you know the Mo Bambas, the African kids, you know, they can go either way. Their bodies are a little more brittle, and and sometimes when you play an 82 game schedule. 25 more games in the playoffs, man, their bodies over time just sometimes they they don't hold up. Starts to break down. A little bit, a little bit, you know, so. I, I think I think they might take that risk on them just because the way Durant came out. I mean, yeah. he hasn't really had any. But if you watched Kevin Durant in high school and his one year at Texas, when he, you can tell a lot about a, an athlete by the way they walk, mm-hmm. the way they move. And, you know, if you watch Greg Oden, he moved like a 50-year-old man when he was at Ohio State. You know, one leg was a little bit shorter than the others. That's really where all his injuries came from. Mm. So it just threw his body off. Mm-hmm. And so he just didn't move well. But you watched, you would put them side by side. Kevin Durant glided where yeah, Greg Oden. Greg Oden just fell off. Yeah. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, you could tell with Durant. He was going to be something special. Right. No question. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see a guy 6'11 who, no, no, who has handles like that. that. Because look what the way basketball's going. Yeah. There's going to be some kid out there now that's maybe two years old that's going to be 7'3 and be able to pull yeah, up you, from 25. Uh, you got a point. No, there. It'll yeah. happen. 
Yeah. We never yeah, we never expected someone like Joel Embiid or Chris Bosporzingis. Yeah, play, players are evolving. No question. That. So you can't ever say never. Yeah. So I mean when it, so you, you did say how players are evolving. Do you think today's NBA in terms of talent is better than, you know, like the nineties and eighties? That's the old like don't don't yeah don't don't go versus old school don't go old school on me all right two totally different games though when they when when they when they took the hand check out you know games were just becoming so physical that was my era you know mid 90s you know through was you know there were nba playoffs games scores were 79 74 you know knicks and miami heat you know those so, you know, it had just gotten so physical that, you know, you couldn't – you didn't have the player movement, freedom um, that, that exists now. You know, I wish I was born 20 years later. I mean, it would have been – I would have thrived in today's basketball, being able to shoot it and, you know, not being able to put your hands on, you know, and, and whatnot. So, um, the, the today's athlete is, I think – Better, better conditioned, probably better, you know, from a athletic standpoint. They just have more nutrition. A better physique. You know, th- yeah, just, you know, humans get better. I mean, cars are better now than they yeah. were, you know, back then. So, but you you have to think of, imagine if Will Chamberlain was 16 years old now and, and, and had all the things that these kids have. You don't even want to know what he would be doing. Yeah. So... You know, it's it's kind of apples and oranges, you know, a little bit. But, you know, I enjoy today's basketball probably more because it's just a more mm-hmm. aesthetic game. You know, there's more movement. I love watching the Golden State Warriors play. Yeah. I mean, those guys are – it's phenomenal. You know, and I mean, you can – you know, either you're a fan or you're not. If you just love basketball, forget Kevin Durant going there and free agent. Forget yeah. all that, <laughs> you know, drama stuff. Just watching them play, it's beautiful. You know, so, um, but back then, it, you know, growing up watching Michael Jordan, I mean, the things that that guy did, and I mean, so, just appreciate basketball for whatever it is. It's the most beautiful game on earth. You can argue it was better then, it was better now. It that really doesn't matter. It's it's the most beautiful game in the in, in the world, um, and just enjoy what we have. We've got. Great players now. I mean, the Greek freak, you know, um, you know, guys that are Embiid, guys that are coming up that are going to carry the torch, you know, and and in thirty years there's going to be some guys on a podcast saying this guy's got to be better than Embiid. I mean, Embiid couldn't do this, he couldn't do that. Oh, yeah. So there always be, and that's what's great about sports. But my, you know, my advice or just enjoy it, just enjoy it for what it is, you know. Yeah. I mean, we've been enjoying LeBron, and that's almost over. Yeah. So you just got to take what almost. you get. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. I, th- I think he has <laughs> he five, might. five to six. He might play till 50, yeah. the Who way knows? he's looking. Who knows with that guy? That's, he's unbelievable. He's aging yeah. like fine wine. He's the, he's the greatest. He's not the greatest player of all time. Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. He is. See, I, I keep trying to tell this guy in front of me, uh, but. I just, I I don't know if you want to get to that right now, but I actually I I have I have a debate for that because if if you want to talk about a whole basketball player, if you look at MJ, he was his role on the on that Chicago Bulls team was just to score. Am I right? If you look at a whole wait, if you look at a whole basketball player, LeBron's a better rebounder. 
You can argue that he's a better passer. I mean, he has. But he didn't rebound enough, and he won. He was an amazing passer, but he lost in the finals. As good a rebounder and as good a body and as good athlete. If you look at and all that stuff, let me tell you something. He had Chris Bosh and he had Dwayne Wade. He's he's on Mount Rushmore. But if so you look at the team, if you him. look at the teams that he played in the finals, I mean, you play against the Golden State Warriors. That's arguably the best team. MJ's MJ Chicago Bulls wouldn't wouldn't beat the, this today's uh, Warriors. I mean, probably. I mean, if a team goes seventy, not. You but. have a seventy-three and nine team. You add Kevin Durant, arguably considered the greatest scorer in history. I mean, MJ's Bulls wouldn't beat that team either. I mean, can we can we not agree on that? I'm not. I'm not. Sh- I, that's that's I, a tough just, thing to compare. I I actually got to lay my eyes and watch day after day what that guy did. And when you go six for six, I don't. Let me tell you something. He played Carl Malone and John Stockton, two of the greatest top twenty players of all time. They're the so, reason. He's the reason they don't have rings. Look, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. Go YouTube Sean Kemp. You you. Oh, Sean <laughs> Kemp was an animal. Kemp. No, that dude was a dude. So you know they're. That guy to go six for six, MVP in all six, it it just it speaks for itself. But nothing taking nothing away from from LeBron James because the guy's just phenomenal. He'll go down as the greatest specimen, ath- athletic body combination that's that's so far has ever mm-hmm. stepped on a hardwood floor without question. In in the the IQ. The unselfish, you know, the one thing, first of all, the one thing I always say about LeBron, a lot of drama with him, a lot, but the guy's uh, never been in trouble. Yeah. The guy is a great father, you know, so he's a great person. He's a great ambassador for the NBA. No question. Well. He's a better person than he is a basketball player. Right. And, but he ain't better than Mike. I'm just telling you because Mike, I don't <sighs> care what it took, Mike would have squeezed out. It might have went to seven games. It might have went, but I'm gonna tell you something. He was gonna get. He was gonna lift that trophy. Mike. Mike had it all. Ultimately, he had the talk. Why you play? But if you talk about if you talk about basketball player in terms of a whole, who is the best basketball player? I mean, LeBron has the IQ. He has the rebounding. He can play one through five. I mean, thing that's up. They have all different kinds, (laughs) but they have them up against walls. They have them hanging from the ceiling. What are those things called? Called banners. Well, not right? banners, but they're they're electronic. You can plug them in. Scoreboards. Scoreboards. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's, they're, they're just, they call a scoreboard. And so at the end of the game, I mean, you can you, hey. can you can have all that stuff, but at the end of the game, you, the only reason you play is to have more points than the other opponent does. So you get what's called a W. Well, then then can we ultimately win? Well, then can we argue that Bill Russell is the greatest of all time? Then since he has the most rings. No, because he played in an era where there was teams. Well, if we're going to talk about eras, then isn't LeBron's era considered technically more difficult than MJ's era? You gotta, you're playing a team like the Warriors, who are 73-9. and nine. You're losing to them, what, two or three times? I mean, that's, that's going to put a stain on his record. But if you want to talk about eras and competition-wise, Bill Brandon Russell's had a— e- basketball in the NBA, go watch a game in December on a Tuesday. You know, they're, they're not playing. Oh, yeah. You know, so it ultimately comes down to playoffs. That's really when the NBA season. I mean, you got to play and you got to get seeding and all that. I get that, but ultimately, NBA basketball when it's playoff time, that's when it matters. And so, yeah, the seventy-three and nine, those are all that's fine. But you got to play some. You got to be somebody four times out of seven games. That's what it's all about, and it's all about that scoreboard, and it's all about can you be somebody four times out of seven? 
That's all. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. I just, I don't know. I, I sound stubborn, but I just don't think MJ would be able to beat this this Warriors team. If this Warriors team's playing even like a mediocre game, I just don't think that MJ's Bulls could compete with that team. Just that's just me but, personally. But do you let them play the way they play? Or do you that, let that's them, that's a big yeah because if it's if it's today's if it's today's NBA I mean the Warriors would crush them if it's nineties 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 rules yeah so that's that's yeah. that's, that's where it depends on the eras you're right yeah that's why it's a hard thing to it's apples and oranges yeah you're right I've I've got another old school question the Fab Five Duke versus the Duke right now you Who mean wins? the Fab Five Michigan right Fab Five Michigan yeah yeah, yeah yeah the Fab Five Michigan Fab Five Michigan deeper. Yeah, I can give you that. I can see that. Top heavy. They and got they, they, got they three win. players to Duke, and then then and then just, they went fall off a cliff. Michigan. Yeah. Michigan ended up going undefeated that whole season up till that championship game. Whenever they lost to Duke, right? No, no, they lost. I mean, they were like a four seed in the tournament. Three oh wait, no, I think wait, was that U UNLV or I don't know. I might be yeah, I might be yeah, I might be mistaken. Yeah, then that guys, if people ask me this, and again, I'm 41 years old. The greatest team that I've ever, in college basketball, ever laid eyes on was that 1990 UNLV team that blew out Duke by 30. With Larry Johnson, Stacey Albert, it's, it's the best I've ever seen. How about that Houston points. team with Kareem? Or uh, not Kareem, Hakeem. I, the Five Slam Jamma was probably the greatest collection of talent. I was I was only six, seven years old mm -hmm. when they were so my I, – I remember them, but – that UNLV team was the most complete team I have ever laid eyes on. I mean, they were they were dudes too, dudes. I'm gonna have to look into that. Oh, guys, <laughs> I'm no, not, no, 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 I'm not too Google familiar. 1990 UNLV or YouTube it. Those it was unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm gonna have to check that out. <laughs> YouTube is a wonderful source. Oh, it is. No, 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 no. <laughs> we can't go wrong with YouTube. Sheesh. Well, I mean. I think we'll end up wrapping it up today. You know, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having us. I mean, well, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. I appreciate having me. Yeah, of course. Good so, time. I mean. So, it's your co-host, Tariq Abdullah. It's your boy, Tariq Fatul. And I'll leave you with this, guys. Always chase your dreams and never, ever put limits on yourself. Cool. Sports Decaf. Wise words. We're Sports out. Sports Decaf, we're out.